All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and it's good to be here with you uh, for a last minute live stream at the very end of the week. It is Friday if you're live streaming with me. Uh, and, you know, this is this is kind of fun, actually. I wanted to bring a revised version of an old episode that I did back in 2017 called The Basics of Success in Business. And it was actually based on, in fact, I read an email that I sent to a photographer friend back in 2012. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun to actually bring this back, share a revised version based on what I've learned since 2017 and actually add an additional point. There were five points, major points in the first uh, or the, the version of the email that I sent to my friend. And then, of course, the episode that I shared, I've added an additional one that I want to share with you, but a revised version of this topic, the basics of success in business. And uh, so we're going to do that just for you today on this Friday evening, early afternoon or late afternoon, early evening as we go into the weekend. And I hope that you're able to find some value in this, some encouragement in this as you go into the weekend. And then, of course, go into next week and into the rest of this year that you're able to take these principles to heart and apply it to your business in a way that helps you find further health and success in your photography business. So first of all, if you are live streaming or if you're even watching the replay of the live stream, don't be shy to comment on the live stream, on the content here. Would love to know your thoughts, ideas. You can send some funny emojis if you want to. And for those of you that are not watching the live stream or that are watching or maybe listening to the audio version of this after the fact, of course, on any of your any of the favorite podcast players out there. We are everywhere, including Spotify, by the way, video even on Spotify. But make sure to come join us for the live streams. We do one to two live streams, um, usually actually one a week for the Boca podcast and um, would love to have you come be part of the conversation, join in the conversation. But let's get into this topic today. And again, this is based on principles that I've learned over the years. And just to give you background, if somebody doesn't know, if you're new to the podcast or maybe don't know the backstory, I started in wedding photography back in 2000, about 2001, and photographed weddings professionally for about 10 years. And with my business partner, built a, a very successful business, actually, um, here in the Chattanooga market, a premium business, if you will, um, that was geared ultimately toward weddings. And then ultimately, uh, we, we added on as well. We added uh, a lifestyle portrait service, and uh, my business partner was extremely talented and, and focused in that area. But we built a business that drew in many clients and at a very premium price. When I, when I say the word successful, of course, we all define success in different ways. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But one of the areas that we saw really the biggest success was in the ability to draw in a premium client. We ultimately charged as much as $10,000 to photograph a wedding. And um, so I'm, I'm excited about what we accomplished there, but I was able to take at least some of what I learned in that business over to my editing company. I own a company called Photographers Edit. And in 2008, we launched that company and I've since built that into, thanks in major, major part to my team that I have the opportunity to work with, built that into a multi-million dollar business and I'm continuing to help run that to this day. So that's a little bit of my background in business. And, and I only bring that up so you have context. I'm sure you've been to a photography conference or workshop or maybe watched or heard an online course and you're like, who is this person who thinks they can tell me what success means or how to build a successful business? And by no means do I know everything. I'm still learning daily and still have so much to work to do. Um, but 
at the end of the day, these are some of the most important principles I have found that can make a really great impact on your business, certainly for the sake of building a healthy and successful business, not only in the short term, but over the long run as well. So let's jump into this. And I hope that you can uh, just, again, take little tidbits away from this, not only into your weekend, but into next week and through the rest of the year for the sake of success in your business. This, again, we'll just call the basics of success in business. And again, I originally, for anybody who missed the introduction, I, I sent this to a friend of mine um, or a revised version, a, diff a slightly different version of this to a friend of mine in 2012. But let's start with point number one. If you're taking notes, kind of old school teacher, if you're taking notes, the first, I think, really important concept or principle to consider if you want to build a successful business is to consider where you want to go. Now, this may seem a little bit confusing. You're like, what, how... What do you mean consider where I want to go? I thought you were gonna talk about how I can get more clients. Yes, absolutely, that is important. Um, but let me actually read this original quote um, that I sent to my friend in 2012. I said, it's important to realize that you're not doing yourself a favor to be deciding on a business model or a position for a rebranding project unless you know what direction you want to go with your life. Yeah, that's right, your life. This isn't just about numbers and how many clients you're booking, but at the end of the day, you're building a business for the sake of your life. So it's important before you make big decisions, or even if you've already built or begun to build a photography business, if you want to build a successful business for the long run, that you first consider where you want to go, the direction that you want to go in your life, and then the business model should support that. So what happens if you don't? Let's talk about that first. Why would you even care to take a step back from your business as it exists now or before you go to build a business? Why would you even care to consider where you're going, the direction for your personal life? And then, of course, as, as a result, your business. Chaos. I bet that many of you can relate to the idea of chaos in day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week existence as a photography business. I'm certainly, I've certainly been there. Um, and I can still find myself there as well, where you're just kind of haphazardly reacting to any and everything that's coming in from emails to text messages to DMs. And then, you know, there's the next workshop. Well, maybe I should go to that. And oh, that's that piece of camera gear I need to buy. And oh my goodness, that incredible Lightroom preset. I should grab that too. And maybe I should buy this course. And we're just constantly reacting to all this outside stimuli. And as a result, distracted from running and ultimately building as successful a business as possible. If we know where we're going, it's very easy to filter out that outside noise. And so to that end, what I want to recommend you do is to develop something that I refer to as a big picture view. Julie Morgenstern in her book, Time Management from the Inside Out, talks about the concept of a big picture view. And she says the most successful people in life have a big picture view that enables them to rise above the chaos and maintain perspective. So if you if your day-to-day -day existence or maybe week-to-week -week existence as a business owner feels a bit chaotic and haphazard and you're not quite seeing the success that you want, it's time to take a step back for a second and consider where you want to go on a personal level. What are some of the elements that you should consider about the direction for your life? Well, first of all, Financial, financial component, right? And sure, we need to pay bills, but we also want to think big picture, putting money in savings and, and being able to have money to go on vacation and have some hobbies. Big picture financial goals need to be considered. And that will help determine the business model that you are creating. A lot of photographers get confused about what direction to go in business, or they're like, I, I love photography. I'm going to start a business, but I don't know where to go. Well, one of the, think, one of, excuse me, one of the considerations um, that should, that you should take into, excuse me, you should take into consideration. 
how much money you want to make because that is going to help you determine where or what type of business model you build. Super important. If you're okay just making $30,000 a year, for example, then there are many business models that you could develop for this purpose of developing or making $30,000 or $50,000 a year. But if you want to make $200,000 a year and you want to work 20 hours a week in order to do that, that's a whole different type of business model. You don't know what business model to develop, what genre, the type of clients you're going to serve, et cetera, until you're clear about the financial goals that you have for your personal life. So that's where we're going to start. You need to consider where you want to go in life. And that direction is going to be made up of multiple components, depending on the individual. But certainly one of the most important is financial goals. And then the second set of goals that you should consider are the time goals. And I mentioned the idea of $200,000 a year, 20 hours a week. You may have a financial goal, but you also need to consider how many hours a week that you want to spend in order to make that money. If you're making a half a million dollars a year, but you're working 80 hours a week to do that, what's the point, right? So you need to be clear not only about your financial goals, but also then about your time goals. And these are two of potentially multiple elements, four or five maybe major elements that you would want to consider for your big picture view, your overarching set of goals for your personal life. But why those personal goals matter is that they should then determine the type of business and business model that you develop, including, yes, the genre that you go into, the target clients that you're selling, your business model, whether or not you do IPS, et cetera. There's a list of things there. But in order to determine the right business model for you, you need to be clear about your personal goals. You need to consider the direction that you want to go in your personal life and let that then determine the business model that you develop. So that's number one. If you want to build a successful business, and by the way, I realize success means different things for different people, just like we talked about. Those, the definition of that word is going to be subjective for sure. But what I would ask you to consider is where you want to go. Your version of success, that's that overarching set of goals that you want to accomplish. Make sure that you're clear about those so that you can set up the appropriate business model in order to accomplish those. Those, And what's cool about that is we talked about this chaotic existence, this haphazard existence. Once you're clear about your personal goals, you're then able to establish the right business model to support those goals. And then your day-to-day -day existence is much, much clearer, much more focused because you know how you need to spend your time in order to support this business model that then enables you to reach those personal goals. So I hope that makes sense. It's been a long day. I was a little wordy there, fumbling around a little bit to get going, but I, I think we got to the point. We're good to go. So number one, consider where you want to go. Number one suggestion for establishing and building a successful and healthy business. Number two, it's important that you position yourself against your competition. Now, the typical, in fact, actually, if I think back to my experience as a photographer, as an active wedding photographer, I would go to, and I live in the Chattanooga, Tennessee market, I would go to wedding networking events, vendor events. So there might be, you know, caterers there, florists there, along with photographers. And we would go around the room at these networking events and introduce ourselves. And what happened most times, if not every time, was that there would be multiple photographers there. When they were there, you would have multiple photographers saying largely the same thing. So somebody would stand up, they'd say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and I specialize in, and then they'd list like you know five different genres of photography. And they'd sit down. Next photographer would get up, hey, I'm so-and-so, they'd list three or four genres of photography. Next person gets up, I'm so-and-so photographer, I specialize in, and they'd list four or five genres of photography. Now, think just for a second how that impacts or doesn't impact the other vendors in the room. 
what is going to make them want to work with any one of these photographers who sound no different than the next photographer? It is important if we want to build a successful business and by the way, build a successful business more easily with less friction. It's important that we have a clear brand position, a distinct brand position that we're able to position ourselves against our competition. Now, I understand our industry, and it's wonderful that it, this has happened. Our industry has moved in the direction of community over competition. That is great. Ultimately, yes, we should develop wonderful friendships with photographers and other vendors in our industry. But that's, let's keep in mind that that conversation exists in our industry, right? In our little bubble. You still have these clients or potential clients out here that don't see it the same way. We're one photographer and there's another photographer and potentially either one of us could meet the needs that they have for photographic services. So how are you going to stand out in their mind? It's super important that you establish a clear and distinct brand position. Now you might say, what is a brand position? Very simply, it's a value proposition. You are looking for photography. You go search for a photographer. That photographer offers photographic services. Their value proposition is photography you want to buy photography. And so potentially they can meet your need to have photographic services. Now that's a super simple interaction, right? At the end of the day, you might be talking about wedding photography, portrait photography, specific types of portrait photography, commercial photography, et cetera. Now that's great. But if you just fall under that same kind of overarching label of professional wedding photographer or professional portrait photographer, that potentially causes a little bit of friction in that process of them choosing the right photographer. If you can come out and very specifically say, I am a black and white wedding photographer. Now you have a very clear and distinct brand position that is likely different than any other wedding photographer in that marketplace. That potential client knows that you photograph weddings in black and white. And if they're looking for a black and white wedding photographer, they're the person, you're the person that they want to come see. And if they're not, then they know they need to go somewhere else. That creates distinction. And I know there's a bit of FOMO there. Photographers are like, well, if, if I create too distinct a brand position and I push potential clients away, what if I lose business then as a result? And you're right, that might happen. It's important to also consider the marketplace, the market demand for whatever brand position you consider. I could say I'm a black and white wedding photographer for Chattanooga skateboarders, for example. I would probably have like one wedding a year if I was lucky, right? So you have to consider the marketplace. You need to either you need to understand how the market is functioning locally, where the opportunity lies. And if nobody is in that space already, that's the place that you go. So in order to establish a distinct brand position, you need to consider, I mean, you're in a particular genre. Let's say you're a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer. Let's take wedding photography. That's, that's kind of the genre that I focused most on. And as a wedding photographer, Again, if I go to a network meeting or I have a potential client that's coming to my website or maybe I have the chance for a conversation with a potential client, I just say I'm a wedding photographer, that's not helping me stand out. But if I want to stand out, then I want to pick a variation on that service. So I, I could say black and white wedding photography, right? That's an example of a variation on that particular service. Um, or I might even reach out to a particular segment of the marketplace. Maybe I offer wedding photography for Chattanooga seniors, as in older couples. And I specifically focus on that genre. You can look for the opportunity to offer a variation on a service. You can also look to uh, target a particular segment of the market and focus on that segment of the market. And potentially, and this is, 
there's a little bit less, this is a little more of a nuanced approach, but if nobody else has owned a particular se segment of the market, for example, let's just take wedding photography very simply. If nobody has come out and said, you are Chattanooga's premier wedding photographer, and you want to you want to take the risk to go that direction, you can do that. Just make sure that your, your experience, the customer experience backs that up. That's a little more nuanced, a little more risky. My primary suggestions would be to focus on a variation on the service and, and or a particular segment of the marketplace. Again, make sure there is market demand there in order to support that or find a different brand position where there is enough market demand support. Again, your financial goals, because you're clear about your big picture view, your overarching set of goals, make sure there's enough market demand to support those financial goals. If not, pick a different brand position or you can expand your marketplace. If I'm in Chattanooga, maybe I expand to Tennessee or the Southeast region. You get the idea. You can expand to get more business in that particular brand position. So in order to establish a successful business, number one, consider where you want to go. Number two, position yourself against your competition. Number three, communicate your position clearly and simply. Now, it's, it's great to establish a clear and distinct brand position for yourself. The question is, how clearly and simply can you communicate that to a potential client, whether through your website, on social media, in conversation? I think way back in the day, the, uh, the kind of stereotypical conversation around the idea of an elevator pitch was like, you need to be able to sum up what your business is about in, I think they would say like 30 seconds or 15 seconds. Basically, of course, the, the length of an elevator ride. That's the idea. 2022, that no longer works. You need to be able to sum up your brand position at, at the most six to eight words, which means that you should be able to say that phrase within three seconds, five seconds max, if you're just really taking your time. It is super important that you're able to communicate your brand position clearly and simply. It needs to be short, concise, and clear. That means that you're also using language that is logical, everyday language, not these pretty cutesy words that we use in the photography industry or that only other photographers would really understand. Think about how a potential client is going to search for you on Google and what words they would use to search for you on Google. Logical, simple, everyday words to describe the service that they're looking for. That's what you, those are the types of words you want to use in your brand position statement. So six to eight words max. Don't use this cutesy, pretty photography specific language. Use logical everyday language, six to eight words. So for example, I, I gave the, uh, well, the example earlier of black and white wedding photography for Chattanooga skateboarders. I think that's eight words, right? I gave the variation on the service and then the service itself or the genre, wedding photography. So black and white is the variation. Wedding photography is the genre or the, the type of service. Uh, for Chattanooga, I was able to work in the location there. And then uh, skateboarders was the example that I gave. And that's a particular segment of the market. So in eight words, I'm able to sum up very simply, very clearly what my brand position is. And by the way, because I'm using, again, very simple, everyday, very logical language that somebody might search for if they're looking for that particular service, this is great for SEO. I even worked in the location into that brand position statement. So that's going to go, if anybody knows anything about SEO, that's going to go into your H1 tag. If you're not familiar with that concept, Google it. That's a conversation for another day. But that right there as a brand position is going to be super clear, concise, and very easy to communicate to anyone. And anyone, when you say that to them, is going to understand what it is you're talking about. So it's important not just that you have a brand position, but that you're able to communicate that clearly. All right, so you've got that. Number one, consider where you want to go. Number two, position yourself against your competition. Number three, communicate your position clearly and simply. 
By the way, make sure that brand position statement is above the fold on your website. Nobody has to scroll down and go through paragraphs of text to find it. Big, bold text there at the top of your website before they ever start scrolling. Above the bold means before you start the scrolling. And make sure that it's visible there, both on the mobile site as well as a desktop site, and it's very easy to see, understand, and find. All right, and then number four, we're talking about the basics of success in business, at least as I've learned it. And of course, there are certainly many other elements to building a successful business, but I wanted to share some key ideas here. Number four is to establish systems. Now, some of you, maybe even many of you, probably don't expect me to go in this particular direction. Nate, that's super nerdy, I'm an artist. Um, I just like to go with the flow and I go with what I'm passionate about and what I feel in the moment. And of course, fill in all the, the rest of the blanks there with all the phrases and words that you hear in our industry and many times at conferences too. Look, inspiration and feel good stuff, I'm all about it. I'm a super emotional business person. Um, I'm the guy that watches, I'm, I'm looking over here at a, a TV. I'm, I, I watch these rom-coms and cry or I listen to a podcast and emotional music and I get super emotional. That's who I am. So I get being emotional, but I also see how that gets in the way of building a healthy and successful business. By the way, it's not mutually exclusive. You can be an emotional individual and work that into your business, but you also have to consider some of the logical, some of the structure and the systematic elements of a business if you want to build a successful and healthy business for the long run. It's important that you establish systems. And by the way, art and structure, art and systems are not mutually exclusive. The cool thing is if you put systems in place, systems very simply are repeatable actions associated with a particular task. If you put those in place, it's gonna actually free you up to focus on your art. You'll have more time to focus on your art, to focus on your photography and some of the other elements of your business that you love so much. You've got to put the systems in place, though, to enable that so that your existence, as we talked about earlier, isn't chaotic. Your, your existence as a business owner is full of time, flexibility, and freedom. And that's one of the major benefits, of course, of building in systems to your business. So repeatable actions for everything that you do. And I'm talking about communication, i.e. email or text messages or DMs, phone calls, have a system in place for those things. Have a system in place for your marketing. Have a system in place for managing all your client information. Have a system in place for managing your finances. Have a system in place for album design, for any of your photography workflows, album design, editing, et cetera. Have a system in place and stick with those systems consistently. What that will mean then, especially if you've intentionally designed those systems efficiently, is that you can get the stuff done really well and in a relatively short amount of time. So it frees you up to focus, certainly on the things that will actually help grow your business, but then ultimately it'll free you up to have that, the opportunity for connection with the important people in your life, to travel, to, to spend time with your hobbies, to have that freedom and flexibility that I think we all in some form or fashion got into business for ourselves to have, right? Yet we just get lost in the chaos. Important to establish systems. All right, so that's number four. And then number five, once you've got those systems in place, and really, I guess it kind of coexists with this next point, it's important to focus on the proactive versus the reactive. And we could probably even order this point before systems, because we wanna make sure that the things that we're doing are primarily proactive in nature. You might say, Nate, what is proactive, what is re reactive? This is, again, sounds super nerdy. Look, I get it, and yet I know the significance of putting these systems in place, understanding the significance of a workflow that focuses on proactive versus reactive. Proactive, on a business level, 
those proactive tasks are those things that you do that will increase your bottom line, that will get you more clients. And in many, if not most cases, are gonna be tied, at least as we're defining it here, are gonna be tied to, or, or require your involvement. You actually want to be involved in those things. Reactive tasks on a business level are those things that have to be done for your business to exist. I have to pay taxes, but paying taxes doesn't help me grow my business, right? So that's a reactive task. It has to be done. Fortunately, I don't have to do that. I can delegate that to somebody else and work with the accountant to get that taken care of. It doesn't help me grow my business and it doesn't require my involvement. So that's a reactive task. It has to happen. I don't care to be involved in it. It's not going to help me grow my business. And of course the list goes on, but that's proactive and reactive on a business level, personal level, very similar. Proactive tasks or activities help you get closer to your personal goals and reactive tasks. Again, are those things that you got to do to exist. You got to mow the lawn, you got to clean the garage, you got to vacuum the carpet, whatever it is, those things have to be done. Certainly don't help you get closer to your bigger picture goals on a grand level. And in many, if not most cases, doesn't require your involvement. You can hire somebody to come clean your house for you, for example. So proactive, reactive, but the goal here is that you're focusing your time, 75% of your time on proactive tasks, things that will grow your business and 25% on those things that are reactive in nature. So this is what I want you to do as kind of an exercise here. I want you to literally with a piece of paper, I'm kind of old school here. So I got a notebook for taking notes, get a notebook out if you want. I'm also new school, I guess you could say, and that I use all kinds of electronics and amps get Evernote out, get your notes app out, whatever it is that you want to write this down with, make a list of the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Literally everything from the time that you get up in the morning to the time that you go to bed. What do you do? Personal and professional, personal and business related. Make a list. And then once you do that, and I'm talking great detail, there's, there may be 60, 80 items on, those, on that list. Go back through that list and I want you to tag each of those items proactive or reactive based on the definition that I just gave. And then the goal, of course, is to get to a place where 75% of those things are proactive in nature and 25% are reactive. And by the way, we can even get rid of some of those items on that list. Let's talk about how we get to that 75, 25, because you might be like, Nate, there's no way we're going to get to that place. I've got so much to keep up with. A couple of things, you, a few things in particular that you can do. So number one, outsource or delegate. I happen to own a company called Photographer's Edit. I'm going to pop up uh, Photographer's Edit domain here on screen. Photographer's Edit, just like it sounds, .com. Um, you can also follow us, Photogs Edit, P-H-O-T-O-G-S-E-D-I-T, on Instagram and Facebook, of course, and Twitter. But um, you, Photographer's Edit is um, a wonderful example of where you can delegate your editing work. Editing is probably the most time-consuming element of running a photography business, especially for wedding photographers, but certainly for portrait photographers as well. And in order for you to be able to get rid of that time-consuming task, Photographer's Edit offers custom image editing. You can share your editing style with our team. We process your images according to your preferences. So that's a great example of how delegating or outsourcing will help clear out a lot of the reactive space on your list. I bet if you look at that list, and really if we looked at the number of hours you spent in a week or even in a month editing your own work, it's probably the most time-consuming element of your life as an individual, potentially, certainly as a business owner. And the idea that you have resources like Photographer's Edit to get rid of that most time-consuming element of your life for a relatively little bit of money, 24 cents an image, by the way, just as a simple example, um, is pretty incredible. So you spend a little bit of money, you get rid of that. Now that frees up a massive, massive segment of your week. You no longer have to think about that. That's one example of delegation or outsourcing 
that I can share. Now, of course, you can do this with album design. You can do this certainly with your accounting. In fact, I hope you do, unless you're an accountant as well. But even then, you should probably just give it to somebody else to do. Um, uh, email management, just administrative tasks in general. Um, you could potentially delegate to either somebody in-house or maybe hire an outside company, a third-party company um, that can help you with, a virtual assistant. But there are so many different things that you can potentially delegate or outsource. So I want you to go through that list, first of all, and look for opportunities to delegate as much of that list out as possible. By the way, personal and professional as well. We talked earlier about hiring somebody to clean your house. You can hire somebody to mow your lawn. You can hire somebody, you can hire your kids if you want <laughs> to clean the garage out, whatever it might be but delegate as much of your personal and professional life out as possible. This is not about being lazy. This is about being selective about where you're spending your time. And we are super lucky for sure to be to live in a time in an age, 2022, where we can do this, where we have the freedom and the opportunity to do this. But we should take advantage of it rather than just sitting by and watching all these other successful people do that. We have the ability to do that as well, even if it's just starting with small steps. So first, look at that list and outsource or delegate as much of it as possible. Now, after you've done that, look for opportunities to, and you know what, actually I should start first with the idea of simplify. If we're gonna put this in order, I was, I was gonna actually mention this one last, but I would just say simplify. Go through that list of things that you do in a day and take out as much of it as you possibly can that is not absolutely required. That's a good place to start because by the way, it's easy to get busy with stuff that we just get used to doing, but if it doesn't match that overarching set of goals, the big picture view that we talked about at the very beginning, you should just get rid of it. So do that first, simplify, get rid of as much of it as possible, as much of it as possible. Then certainly outsource, delegate the rest. And then anything you can't outsource or delegate, I want you to look for opportunities to automate that. And what I mean, generally speaking with that is to take advantage of technology. For example, when it comes to managing your finances, people talk about, uh, well, at least back in the day, it was receipts, you know, boxes and bags of receipts, right? Now, most of that stuff is digital. And, but you've got platforms that are much, much easier to use than they've ever been, like QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online, that you can use to manage your finances, to record your income, record your expenses, look where the money's going, look where the opportunities are, send all that information to your accountant for tax, for managing taxes. You need to look for opportunities to automate through technology as much of this process of, man of running your business and, and your life ultimately as possible. There are so many tools that will help you do this. Another great example actually um, is a tool that I've used for years now called Calendly. And I think you spend maybe 10 or 15 bucks a month for this, but the number of hours that I've saved over the years, not having to go back and forth via email or text message or otherwise, trying to set up an appointment, with somebody for a phone conversation or a coffee meeting or a podcast interview is mind boggling. And I spend all of 10 or 15 bucks a month. It's incredible the amount of time I get back just from that little bit of money. We live in an amazing time, again, where you can literally Google pretty much everything on that list that you made of the things that you do in a day. And you can either find a service to delegate to or a piece of software that will help you do that work. And you should do that. So simplify, if we're gonna reorder these, simplify, delegate, and then I want you to look for opportunities to automate or leverage technology to help you do that job more efficiently. All right, last thing here. And this is an addendum to the original episode. I mentioned for those of you that are, that are listening in or maybe missed the uh, joining us late or missed the first part of the conversation, these points um, were originally in an email that I sent to a photographer friend of mine back in 2012. So 10 years, over 10 years ago, actually, February of 2012. And I did a podcast episode highlighting that email back in 2017. And we talked about the first five points that I just mentioned. 
But I want to add a sixth one here that has been more prominent, front of mind for me in my life as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, particularly in the last number of years, last few years, certainly since the podcast. And that is the importance of learning to embrace and utilize numbers. Now, many, if not most of us, get into business and don't have extensive experience managing finances. I don't know about you, but the idea back in the day when I was still, I guess, in my 20s, of getting checks for thousands of dollars from my clients was, I, I didn't really even know what to do with that, honestly. I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so the idea that somebody might write me a check for $3,000 or $5,000 or $7,000 or $10,000, like this is, this is money I just wasn't used to. And so then, not only was I not used to it, but I didn't really have any training as to then how to manage that money. I mean, certainly when it came to taxes, but then how do I budget with that money? Where do I set it aside? Do I create second accounts and do all this stuff? And it was a bit of a mess, um, to say the least. But I will say that one of the primary issues there was not that I didn't have the resources available to me to help me learn important principles of financial management. I was afraid. And so I would encourage you all to step beyond that fear because fear, of course, is fear is, fear is related to something that hasn't happened yet, right? We're, we're afraid of getting into those finances and not knowing what's gonna happen and as a result, failing in some way, shape or form. We've got incredible resources, whether it's just doing a Google search or going on YouTube or meeting with your accountant. These outside resources can help us minimize the fear as we grow in understanding and then face those numbers, not as something to be stressed out about or afraid of, but actually as something that we can leverage for the sake of a healthy and successful business. So I want, if this is not something that you're, you're used to or familiar with, if you, if you have this kind of anxiety when it comes to thinking about numbers and the amount of money that you've got in the bank, it's time to make change. And this will make a massive, massive difference in your business. It's important not only to do this though for the sake of your bank account and taking care of taxes like you should be, it's important to, to develop awareness, of course, of your business, the way that your business is performing to look at the numbers. We talked earlier about income and expenses. If you're using a piece of software like QuickBooks and you're consistently entering all that information in there as your clients book you and as you spend money on various things, then you should have a pretty accurate picture of the financial health of your business. You can see where you might be losing money, spending money unnecessarily, where you see a lot of opportunity, where you're making a lot of money, you're getting a lot of income from clients for a particular service or set of services, but maybe not as much with others. You can begin to make intelligent decisions about what direction to go with your business. Again, when you're willing to set aside that fear and face the numbers with some help if need be, and begin to intelligently analyze the way that your business is performing so you can make decisions about where to go moving forward. So it's important to do it for that reason as well. It's also important to leverage numbers and data um, to understand not only the marketplace, look at what's going on in the market. Theweddingreport.com or weddingreport.com is a really great resource to go to for general data about wedding photography, or excuse me, just the wedding industry in general. And that's just one example. But looking at the way the market is performing, developing awareness about the market in general is a good thing. But it's also important that as you begin to engage with potential clients, whether it's through your website, using Google Analytics, this is another example of numbers or data, right? Looking at that data, leveraging that data to make intelligent decisions about changes to your website so that you can more effectively convert potential clients who are coming to your website to paying clients. 
That's another great example of leveraging the numbers, being aware of the numbers, but leveraging the numbers. And in this case, the numbers are associated with website traffic and customer behavior on your website. It's important to use, to look at that data there. And so I would encourage everybody listening in, especially, especially if you're new in business, but even if you're, you've been in business for a while and, and numbers just hasn't been your thing or numbers stress you out, make you afraid in one form or another. I would encourage you to start to, to face that fear, to face that anxiety with the help of somebody who is really good at being comforting, but then also knowledgeable and able to guide you and help you, help you learn. Because so much of what helps mitigate fear or minimize fear is understanding and knowledge, right? When you think about, for example, flying in an airplane, if your natural tendency is to get scared when you hit turbulence, a lot, if not most of that fear comes from a misunderstanding or um, dramatization, if you will, of what that turbulence could mean. You know, if, the, if I hit this, if the plane starts to bump up and down, I'm going to crash, right? That's a bit of a simplistic assessment um, considering aerodynamics at play when it comes to how a plane flies, the structural strength of that airplane, et cetera. I'm not going to bore you with that conversation, but you understand where I'm going here that fear can be minimized with understanding and the realization that, oh, little bumps here, not, nothing's going to happen. We're good to go. I don't have to be afraid. Very similar to managing numbers, facing your finances, looking at data associated with your business and customer behavior. It's important to learn to face that. And though it may seem nerdy or it may not be your specialty to utilize resources, again, whether it's the web and or professional resources like an accountant to help you walk through those things that you don't understand to better understand them. And as a result, then be able to leverage them for the sake of your business. I, I wish, and, and I've said this before on the podcast multiple times over, I wish that I had developed a sense of financial awareness and ultimately intelligence many, many years ago. I'd be, and, and I'm super lucky to be where I'm at, but I'd be in an even better place now had I developed that awareness and develop that intelligence and began to engage with not only my finances, but ultimately numbers in general with my photography business and certainly the editing company much, much earlier in my career. It would have been likely been a very, very different conversation at this point in time. So I can't encourage you all enough, whether you're an established business owner or a new photography business owner, to pay close attention to numbers, to learn to leverage those numbers. Again, financial data, as well as customer behavior data for the sake of making intelligent decisions and building a business that is not only in the short term, but long-term healthy and successful. So that's it. Those are your the, the six basics of success in business. Now, again, as I said earlier, I realize there are many other potential elements of a healthy and successful business. And of course, successful is a very subjective word as far as how we define it for ourselves. But these are six big ideas that I've realized the significance of over time. I've been in the industry now for about 20 years. I've had the opportunity, uh, for those of you that missed the introduction, to not only build a really incredible photography business over a period of 10 years, serving premium clients, particularly in the Chattanooga area for as much as $10,000 a wedding, but then also building a photography or excuse me, an editing company, a multi-million dollar editing company uh, with the help of my team. I've had this experience and these principles, I've realized the significance of them over time. And I hope that you'll consider them, whether you're just getting started in business, particularly a photography business, or you've already got an established business and you just want to take things up a notch, get to that next level. These are really important points of consideration as you build 
or attempt to build a successful business. Number one, consider where you want to go. Develop that big picture view. Number two, position yourself against your competition. Develop a distinct brand position. Number three, communicate your position, that brand position clearly and simply and prominently, I should add. Number four, establish systems for everything that you do. Number five, focus on the proactive versus the reactive work. And then number six, learn to embrace and utilize numbers, data, super, super, super important. All right, and that's it. I hope this was a helpful episode. Um, and I know there's a lot more. We kind of scratched the surface of each of those topics really, but I hope this was good food for thought. I hope you're able to take these principles and apply them in some form or fashion to your business as you finish out this year and go into next year. And if you've got questions, don't hesitate to email. Um, or actually I should say DM. You can email me too, uh, but just shoot me a DM. Nathan Holritz, N-A-T-H-A-N Holritz, H-O-L-R-I-T-Z. I should have had that prepped here so I could pop it up on screen, but you can just shoot me a DM there or you can just DM me at Boca Podcast and I'll pop that up on screen here, B-O-K-E-H Podcast. Make sure to check out photographersedit.com if you're not outsourcing or delegating your editing yet. And just a little side note too, we've got a conference coming up for new photographers called the Newbie Conference. If you go to Newbie Conference, N-O-O-B-I-E conference.com, um, you can learn more about this really cool conference we've got planned for January uh, 10th through, excuse me, 10 and 11, 2023, coming up very, very soon. So make sure you go check out that information, newbieconference.com. All right, y'all have an absolutely wonderful weekend. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening and uh, look forward to the next episode with you. Bye-bye.